Welcome to the Homeschool Loftcast, a podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft in De Pere, Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, book clubs and discussion groups, workshops and seminars, and a curriculum viewing library. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. And I cannot tell you how excited I am today that we have with us Linda Hobar, the author of the well-known Christian world history curriculum, The Mystery of History. I started using Mystery of History in the fall of 2011 when my girls were only nine and 10 years old. And now they're 19 and 20. So um, we went through the entire series together. Um, And even though they were taking on more and more independence with their curriculum during those years, I told them I would not hand over the history until we'd gone through the entire thing because I wanted that education for myself, which I had not had growing up. But then the girls chose to go through it again in their high school years, given all kinds of opportunities. They said, can we just do the mystery of history again? And they loved it. I got to meet Linda in person for the first time in 2013 at a homeschool convention and have had the wonderful occasion to seek her counsel over the years. And again, I just can't tell you, Linda, this is such a joy and a privilege for me. And I know Jenny's going to have a blast getting to know you as well. So welcome. Thank you, Tina. It is so neat to see you. Yeah, so glad to be here. Talking to the person who... Everybody talks about the mystery of history. It is a privilege. So I'm excited to find out, Linda, a little bit about you. Before you were ever a curriculum writer, you were first a wife and then a mama and a homeschool mama at that. Tell us a little bit about your family and how and when you chose the homeschool life. Yes. Well, like so many, I never thought I'd be a homeschool mom because for (laughs) one, it just wasn't around when I was growing up. Now, I I'm outdate you gals just a bit. I was in school in the 1960s and 70s, so it was just rather unheard of. But so much began to change for one when I had my own family, which, by the way, I have three kiddos. They are now not only grown, but married and having children of their own. Um, But we were homeschooling back in the late 19. 80s. And that's when we met some homeschool families. And I was in awe over these families. I was immediately drawn into their lifestyle. So it wasn't just the academics. It was just this package deal because this family, these families I knew, they were having fun. They were free. They were very faithful in getting their job done. And so they truly inspired me. I thought, well, I'll at least try. So many Mm. people say that for kindergarten, don't they? And then that (laughs) turned into a 17 year journey and I Mm. haven't looked back. That's great. So your kids were homeschooled all the way through? Uh, Yes. With some breaks in there, there were a couple, Mm. but they were short. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It's so interesting that everybody seems to say that when you meet in the beginning there when homeschooling is kind of a new idea. And then you see a homeschooling family, you watch those children and they just shine so bright. They are, they just stand apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sure we could all, we all have our stories of that. So, okay. So you said you began homeschooling in 1989. Um, I know where we are in Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. homeschooling became a legal thing again, I guess uh, in 1984. So new here at that point, probably knew where you were at the time too. Um, when you started, what was the atmosphere 
where you lived at the time? And then um, what were the specifics of the homeschool law that you were dealing with, especially at the beginning, but maybe as you went through as well? Mm -hmm. Well, you're right. Homeschooling was not legal in all the states when I started, but I was very fortunate in that every state I lived in, it was legal. So we actually homeschooled in Colorado, Florida, Ohio, and Tennessee. So (laughs) obviously bouncing around our requirements from state to state, they were a little different here and there. No two were the exact same, but I am happy to report that generally speaking, those states were homeschool friendly enough, at least for my comfort level. And each state primarily was concerned with me reporting in on the basics. Now, I want to say a little something here about all that. Um, So I guess you could just call this my my positive spin on the reporting (laughs) in. Um, Like if you were required like me, I think if truth could be told here, my reporting in really was an opportunity to demonstrate Uh, how good homeschooling could be. So really, it gave me a chance to shine a positive light on home education to the folks who otherwise were skeptical and might question its validity. And I must say, I think most of those who were evaluating what we were doing, as it turned out, they were amazed at what we were doing. (laughs) And I got incredible feedback from them. Um, So while It could impose at times and certainly step on some parental rights. I think the other side of the story is that we are being given opportunity for the naysayers um, to really show them that God's ways are good ways, Mm. especially when we do our job well. Because homeschooling isn't new. I could take a history tract here, but think about <laughs> it. It's, you know, homeschooling has been with us as long as the family has been in design. And that yeah. that comes from the very beginning. It's God's design. Now, if I could say a little bit more about the critics, because these are some thoughts I'm turning for a future <laughs> podcast I plan. So here we go. But when it comes to criticism, you know, just even in the last couple of months, You know, I had a couple of people in my life say some stinging remarks to me. You would think I'd be over that by now. (laughs) I've been in this movement. You'd think that they would be over talking to you about it negatively by now. (laughs) Well, and I kind of thought I might be immune from the criticism because of just the fact that, you know, I have a curriculum. I speak, you know, across the nation on the merits of home education. But, you know, people still sometimes jab. So I guess Mm. I want to encourage new people, first of all, expect it. Mm -hmm. expect criticism. It comes with this uh, lesser known understanding of home education. I would say to embrace it as an opportunity to teach others, like educate Mm -hmm. them, you know, in a spirit of love, you know, like, oh, thank you so much for being concerned. But I bet it sounds like you aren't aware of some of the amazing statistics. And then, you know, you need to have such a nice way to say it. I would just be like, get out of my face. Yeah. There's times too. But then number three, I think we do need to, um, all joking aside, but extend grace, um, and then prove them wrong. Uh, so I think we need to really take our jobs as seriously to reflect the merits of home education, because that would be a gift to all of us that are trying this at home. So I just needed to insert end of rant, but go on. (laughs) That is really good. (laughs) You set your soapbox aside for a moment. Now that's okay. We like the soapbox. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks, (laughs) right? That's right. (laughs) So Linda, what changes have you noticed in the homeschool community among parents and families and in the homeschool curriculum market? 
Oh, so Ooh, that's a big many. one. That is a huge so one. Many. Well, on there went down. I'd say the yeah. first thing that comes to my mind would be choices. Uh, we yeah. had so few choices. We had so such little in curriculum. So what that meant is that we homeschooled a little differently. We truly were forced to roll up our sleeves, to get very creative, to get very innovative. Now, in contrast to that, I'd say most home educators today face complete overwhelm mm -hmm. by all the choices they have. In fact, it could be frustrating. And um, the good and the bad is that there are now higher expectations. I think the whole bar, you know, the standard has been risen um, due to its popularity now. Um, honestly, if you just kind of go back with me to the 80s and the 90s, I mean, listen... <laughs> We were homeschooling. I was homeschooling before there existed dot com. Wow. Now, think about that. <laughs> That's true. Like, how in yeah. the world did I get anything oh done? I wonder. Yeah. But I tell you what, I racked up the library fines. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's business because, you know, if you're a homeschool mom at the library, you're not just getting three books. You're getting, mm -mm. you know, 30 books or yes. more. And then here's the other thing. We would take rolls of dimes. Mm -hmm. to the library with it. You know what the dimes were for? I know, Tina, you're shaking your head. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the, uh, an old copy machine, a photocopy machine at the oh. library. You had to put a dime in. So yes. you know, we're copying stuff because oh my goodness. we didn't have very many resources. Now I really sound old. I'm not that old, but no, old enough not. that I can tr truly appreciate where the whole movement has evolved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, when I started, we were dependent on a lot of the big box private school curriculums. And that's where most of us started. But what we quickly realized is that they were written for mm -hmm. classrooms, not families. Right. So I just think the Lord was at work ahead of time for such a time as this and was working mm -hmm. in people's lives like mine, where we were beginning to take materials, adapt them for families yeah. at home. So anyway, mm -hmm. here we are, and we never dreamed we would have really the numbers we're dealing with now. I believe <laughs> homeschooling has gone from 2% of the population to 10, 11, maybe 12%. Obviously, that's because of recent events, but yeah. we don't have to go there right now. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but the numbers aren't going down. Yeah. You, know, you thought, uh, we would have thought maybe that they went, would have gone down after the first year of the pandemic stuff, but they mm -hmm. didn't, did they? <laughs> and I think they're still continuing. Well, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's a reflection yeah. of some tumultuous times. But Lots here we are. And, and like I said, I think the encouragement is that God's been at work. Yeah. He knew. He knew long a time ago and started working because it takes people like me a long time to write curriculum. So thank <laughs> goodness I started a long time ago. <clears throat> right. So, um, OK, first of all, what did you actually use with your kids? Because obviously your curriculum wasn't there when you started. Right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, and not just for history, but um I guess. And why did you choose the resources that you chose from the handful of opportunities you had? <laughs> sure. Well, it obviously it's kind of hard to name any one thing because of what I just described. Uh, you know, we were kind of just huh, it was such a hit or miss. We didn't yeah. have much. So I think, honestly, I would say I was eclectic in that I took a little of this, a little of that, and then I made it work for my children. Yeah. So by force, by default, I was eclectic. We were not near so concerned about methods of education 20, 30 <laughs> years ago. We didn't have the luxury to be concerned yeah, right. with methods of education. That was almost a blessing in disguise, I think now, because I almost mm -hmm. feel like now, as soon as you say you're going to homeschool, somebody hits you up with, well, what method of education? Or even yeah, did. that is and you're true. like, wait, what? I didn't even know I had to have one. <laughs> well, right. yeah, so we were kind of making do. But I will say that out of all the ones I was using, um, a handful of them have remained popular. So I'll, mm -hmm. I'll name drop them. That's okay. Um, <clears throat> 
Sure. I, we used a lot of Apologia materials Mm -hmm. and one of my children for science and one of my, uh, my son grew up to be a scientist. He double majored in chemistry and biology. So thank you. Um, He's going to be on our podcast pretty soon too. Oh, good. He's a friend of mine. Yes. My (laughs) son, when he was little wrote a, um, a fan letter to Dr. Weil and he wrote him back. I know. Then we use Saxon math, which I will say is not for all students, uh, but those who have some strengths in math, I think it's good for it. So it was bad for me as their teacher because I'm not a math girl, but it was good for my kids. Yeah. Then I also used, let's see, I used easy grammar way back then mm. because it really was easy. I yeah. still am a fan. It was very sequential, which yep. I'm normally not, but I needed it for that subject. And then just one last, I, I liked worldly wise for vocabulary. I believe that's still around. Mm-hmm. Well, and then of course there was the mystery of history, but we're getting to that. <laughs> This is the exciting part, That's right? That's right. Here. Yes, Jenny, you get to do this. I one. get to ask the question. <laughs> I'm so excited. So, Linda, at some point you got the idea for the mystery of history. How did that come about? And how and when did you start on the project? What were your initial goals? Oh, goodness. I do love this question, too. Well, okay. the setting is this in the year 2000. I don't know if it was a midlife crisis or if I was just seeing my kids getting older, but I truly sensed a stirring in my soul that there was this something out there. So I spent a year of my life praying more specifically than normal about, Lord, what is the next thing? Because I was sensing this stirring and I had a lot of interest. I'm a high energy person. But in the in the uh, a period of just a few months things changed in our world. We had just come out of the Columbine incident, which was that horrible mass shooting in a public school. And so people who maybe had been on the fence about homeschooling all of a sudden were calling me and saying, how do you do this thing? Because people were afraid our world was changing. So I saw this interest in homeschooling um, at this period in my life. This is the year 2000. By then I was considered a veteran because I'd been at it for all of 10 years. But, you know, since so few were back then that that ranked me up. And so I realized there was a real felt need for people to explain homeschooling and show others what they did. So I started hosting little sessions. And every time I'd come to the subject of world history, I would pause and I began to describe a curriculum. I described what I wanted, but hadn't yet found. And then one day, a dear friend of mine, as I think an answer to prayer, her name was Wendy. She's like, Linda, so when are you going to write that curriculum you keep describing? (laughs) Well, I kind of laughed because I had not aspired to write a curriculum. But then within about a week of her asking that question, I was in my kitchen, I was chopping vegetables, and I literally felt as if the Lord whispered to me, the mystery of history. (sighs) And I stopped what I was doing because for me, that was the clearest call I've ever had in my life (sighs) from the Lord where I thought, I know what that is. That's the curriculum I keep describing. And I, and I, it's, it rhymed. I'm like, wow, I don't think I could have come up with that on my own, or I don't feel like I did, but it was like the mystery of history. And immediately I felt like I knew what the mystery was. The mystery was the gospel. I was a career missionary at that time. And I had come to know the Lord when I was 17. I was very zealous. And then I wanted my children to understand that I loved world history because I fell in love with it in college. I was a lady at that time, staying up at night, piecing things together anyway. And (laughs) So, yes, I felt the Lord gave me the title that was in the year 2000. So quick fun fact, if you turn to my volume one and opened it and saw the dedication page, that is the exact dedication page that I wrote to my kids on the 
same day as that calling. So oh, I've retained wow. that because I wanted to document the calling. So I wrote um, a dedication page to my kids. I put a Bible verse on it. And I was like, Lord, you better do the rest. Um, wow. It was kind of naive, but I started writing and I knew I had to start at creation. So the table of yeah. contents wasn't that hard. <laughs> wow. At least for that part, right? <laughs> yeah. It got harder as I went. But anyway, that's how it started. So it was just the Lord at work in my life. How, um, how long did it take you to write like the first volume? And, and did you think that that you didn't, were you going to do sure. a complete curriculum from the very beginning or did you I was know? from the very beginning. As a matter of fact, I thought there would be five volumes. Then we would, we cut one later. <laughs> well, no, history that, continues. So you ended in 2014. Does. You probably have to do a little addendum soon. I know, but don't tell me that. <laughs> um, no, the first one I wrote in about a year and then it took a year to have it published. So it was only a two year project, which is absolutely astounding because then the next one took three or four years. Then the next one took four or five. The next yeah. one took Five. So, you know, each took longer. The first one, I think it was just the Lord's grace in my life yeah. and maybe a smaller vision that I had, you know, and it started off more crude, you know, it was black and white and paperback. Yep. And it has since then been adapted to a colorful hardback. So some of the hard work uh, came back later on sure. that. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So I started simple and it grew. And you were using it with your kids first, right? Oh, yes. They I were mean, my guinea, they were the guinea pigs. pigs. <laughs> they were. And I had a little support group also using it. So that helped keep me moving. Yeah. It really did. Mm -hmm. Had you that were dependent. On had me. you written books prior to this? No, no. This is just amazing. And this is the part. It's when God calls you. It is just, uh, I love it so much. As a matter of fact, I tell my online, I teach online classes. I tell my high school students this, that if they don't feel like they write well today, don't worry. Because <laughs> in high school and college, I felt I struggled to write. I had an interest in it. But I remember one time sitting on a sidewalk in college, I had a research paper due and I was sitting on the sidewalk crying because it just wasn't coming together. I mean, it was that hard. Yeah. And so obviously it was not necessarily a natural thing, but when God gave me the vision, it was like, I couldn't shut up. It seemed like a great channel for me to put words on paper. So sometimes it requires the calling, I think for the, yeah. whatever the skill set to follow. Yeah, yeah that that, that's a really good encouragement because, yeah, I mean, I think our, our kids can't necessarily see the relevance of mm -hmm. certain topics. You know, why do I have to learn how to write anything? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's so true. Yeah. Um, let's see. I want to know how yeah. she found a publisher. So how did you find a publisher and what was that Ooh, process? Yeah, that's kind of a fun story, too, only because I really didn't. It was totally God's <laughs> work again. <clears throat> the story is I was writing and thought maybe I'd self-publish like a lot of people would assume. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, I thought this would be a small venture to begin with. I was working. I was writing for a small group of people, but not necessarily knowing of having a vision yeah. for where it might go. And so I wanted maps in the book. So at a homeschool convention, I walked up to a map lady that made maps. And I was like, Hey, I'm writing a curriculum and I need maps. Can we work together? And she stopped with this real serious look on her face. She said, tell me a little bit more. So I began to tell her more. She said, would you please submit to us your work? Because we are looking to publish a history. curriculum." Ah, it was God. And so I sent them my trans, you know, some of my samples and they sent me a contract with a basically a lure to have a publisher to consider that rather than self-publishing. And it was very clear to me very quickly 
Though publishing writing contracts aren't perfect, but I very quickly realized that God called me to write, but not to publish because those are different <laughs> realms and yeah. they had this, they had their gifts. I had mine. So we pulled them together and I'm so grateful. I'm still with them. That's Bright yes. Ideas Press. So, yes. I was going to say, you can name them. We want to give a shout out to Bright yes. Ideas Press. They're wonderful. Yes. The Hogan family. That was Maggie Hogan, who I talked to at a convention and now her son's running the day-to-day business. Wow. And all the while you were, you were a homeschool mom. So you were juggling the children during this time and all of it. Tell us about that. I was, and let's just (laughs) say to survive, I gave up things on a personal level, like Mm. some of my other, you know, the interests that I had, I I liked to garden and bake and bike ride. I'm an adventure girl. And I had to give up some of those things, Mm. but it was okay. I also looked really bad (laughs) that whole year. I let all my self-care go. I used to look at myself in the mirror. Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, you need to get out. Um, But what I would do is homeschool in the morning. And then as soon as the afternoon came, I would pretty much plant myself in front of a computer, you know, just cram, 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 work till dinner, throw some dinner on and then get back and work some more until, you know, I'd collapse and go to bed. So I did that for about a year, but it was so exciting. I mean, I loved what I was doing. It was super exciting, but yeah, I just had to change. Um, I think free time is what changed. It's yeah. never looked and, and the for same. seasons of life. Sometimes we do that, a right? Season of life. So, yeah. Obviously, your husband is very supportive. What did he think during that initial time? Uh, you know, you getting this calling and all of that. Yeah, you know, he was excited. He watched it in awe. At that time, he was in the baseball world. He was a coach, so he was a busy guy. I was a busy gal, and um, yeah. And now we work together. I drafted him. <laughs> recruited him because I needed some of his skills and I have him working uh, with me uh, full time now. Oh, that's great. That's beautiful. Um, what are some of the features of the mystery of history that kind of distinguish it from other curricular options out there? Cause as you said, mm-hmm. like nowadays parents have a gazillion choices. Um, I yeah. personally recommend the mystery of history, but uh, what are some of the features that, mm-hmm. that you think people enjoy? Sure. I have three that are, I guess, sort of its distinction. And then I'll wrap up with a a word picture I have. So first of all, it is written for the whole family. And that's where it breaks away from perhaps your ordinary textbook that you might find in a classroom is that I didn't write a series just for a fourth grade class. I wrote for the whole family. So the whole family can read a story together. And then following the story, there are activities that are age appropriate for younger, middle or older students. But that was a way to, um, you know, pull out just the quirks of the certain age groups. So it's written for the whole family. That's one. Number two, it's written in a conversational tone. I just can't help it. Back to me being a writer or not. I'm not great <laughs> on full sentences when I speak. But you know what? That's speaking. And so what I did when I started writing is I always said it out loud. And I just try to pretend there's an 11-year-old sitting next to me on the sofa. So I just kept it real plain, uh, plain language, simple mm-hmm. And I whisper to my to my reader in parentheses all the time, because like if I'm starting to get bored or confused, I'm thinking, so are they. So I'll whisper in parentheses like, does that make any sense at all? What was Napoleon thinking or whatever? So I sort of state the obvious in parentheses, but I think it keeps it more engaging. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Third, there is the biblical worldview, which is not going to be true of all curriculums, but I am a former missionary. Like I said, I started following Christ as a teenager. And so that comes through. Uh, I just try to always point my 
my reader toward biblical truth. Mm -hmm. And, but my word picture is so picture this Tina and um, Jenny. So it's like, by the way, it is Jenny, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it is. Okay. What if I said her name wrong? (laughs) We're new friends. So I can get away with it. Anyway, now your listeners. If you'd have gotten my name wrong, that would have been something else. I would have just rolled it. But anyway, we know each other. I know. Okay. Okay. So you don't have to edit that part out. But anyway, what I was going to say is that if you can picture going to a restaurant, there's two different kinds of restaurants. Some restaurants you go and they hand you a menu and you order. And then what you get is going to be on a plate and they're going to decide the portion to give you of that dinner. But then there's other restaurants that we all love where you go in and it's buffet style, right? You get your own tray, you get your own plate, you can get a separate soup bowl if you want. And you go down and you literally pull from the buffet line just how much you want of each thing. And you can get a little bit of a lot or just heap on the steak, you know, whatever. And so I like to look at my program as a buffet style approach to world history because we give you a buffet line. But you know what? On a bad day, just take your main dish and call it a day. You do not (laughs) need those side dishes every day. But yet we provide the side dishes so that when you're clipping along, you're in a good spot. Well, add a side dish, which might be, you know, that you're going to do the mapping exercise that Mm -hmm. day or that you might want to play a game that I provided or what have you. And on a really hungry day, you know, feast and and let them do all the things, but you certainly don't have to all the time. So I like to look at the mystery of history as a buffet style approach. And I think it's freeing as a homeschool family that I give you the tracks to run on. Yeah. I give you the plate and the side dishes. And obviously the main course is always your history lesson. And you can get that at bare minimum, just listening to an audio book. And let me say yeah. with all seriousness, some families face trauma and crises that are just unmentionable, you know, truly devastating. I know this. I've I've faced some of my own. And in those deeper, dark times of life, sometimes an audio book is about all we can do. Mm -hmm. And so, but if you even listen to an audio book, where I'm just narrating the lessons, do you know mm-hmm. your students will still probably get more world history than what the average person knows yes. walking down the yes. street? You know, I'm sure you've seen those news clips where they do a, you know, interview on the street. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> they can't even tell you who won the Civil War. It just right. oh, yes. kill me. So anyway, yes. So audiobooks at bare minimum, but feast when yeah. you can. We try to give it to you all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That That's very true. And actually, so this wasn't a major crisis in my life, but I did have a season where where I turned on the audiobook. Um, mm-hmm. I was doing some babysitting and one of the little kiddos that babies that I was watching, he was very colicky, very difficult. And he would not be quiet when he was awake unless I was personally interacting with him. And I'm like, well, my girls have to learn history. <laughs> what am I going to do? You know? So you were on the kitchen table with the audiobook oh. with them and I'd go in the other room and take care of the baby. And <laughs> So even that, because I was stressed initially, I'm like, how am I going to do what I need to do? And this little guy was just a boy that I babysat. He wasn't my own, but it made me think about what about those moms that have the fussy baby, the sick toddler, the this and the that. And I was so grateful for that because I didn't have to feel like I was shirking my responsibility to my girls, you know, because I could, I could put you on and you just talk to them. Yeah. And that, that is what I truly love about mystery, mystery of history, as well as so many times, if you have this perfectionism in you as a mom, you feel like you have to do every single thing. We're, nope, we're going to check all the boxes, but the way it's laid out, 
you don't get that sense at all. It really is a buffet and it's how it's presented. And so I never had that sense that, yes, we have to do all the things. Mm-hmm. And just to have that option is that's what makes it stand apart. I just <laughs> love it so much. Wow. Elle, and now, so you were writing and rewriting and you have second and third editions. And now the series is complete, right? You're not going to do a volume five. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but what kinds of things do you do to help each new generation of homeschoolers to, to learn about the, the program and just to encourage people to, to consider it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good question. I tell you, one of the things we're doing is just transitioning to a lot of digital products mm-hmm. because that's where folks are today. So we're mailing less materials, but we're sending the downloads. Mm-hmm. So we, in fact, just the other day, I'm looking in our, um, we do ship books from our home because we have a business. And I was looking at some of our shelving and realizing that four products in the next few months are going to disappear off my shelves because they've gone digital. Mm -hmm. So it's just literally the physical product is uh, disappearing, except our textbooks will always be in hard copy. (laughs) I think those are important. But anyway, so we're transitioning. So we're straddling that world where I'd say maybe a third of our products are now available digital and some are still not. But, you know, we're working that way. Then I do still really support the homeschool conventions around the country that give people that in-person teaching. I'm a big fan of those events. Then I have also started a podcast because once again, that's where, that's where our, my people are. That is as we are sitting here speaking, you know, um, (laughs) it is a place where we can gather that's just safe and you can do it on your own. And, you know, just as a, a case in point, a couple of years ago, I was trying to bring back the old fashioned local support group because I'm so passionate about home education. Mm-hmm. It was growing. I, I was still sensing that there was needs that were going unmet in my community. But honestly, between the pandemic and so many other factors, it was hard for my gals to gather in person mm-hmm. as much as they might have desired it. We couldn't keep our numbers going strong. Mm-hmm. But yet I could do a podcast and multiply uh, the yeah. things that we need to talk about just by the hundreds. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's knowing just where to find people. And um, so, yeah, we're just trying to stay up and that's harder the older you get, but yeah, I'm trying. (laughs) So now how about your free time? You have lots of free time. (laughs) I have only a little, but I will say what I do have, I'm trying to devote to my grandkids Mm -hmm. because there's four of them now. So I steal away to be with those guys when I can. And then of all things, this might sound kind of silly, but one of the luxuries I had to give up many years ago was actually attending women's Bible study at a local mm-hmm. church. But I am signed up and I go tomorrow to the first women's Bible study oh. that I have done in years. And that's because I am at a bit of a transition now between my big projects. We just yeah. got all four volumes in color, in hardback yeah. to match. In fact, I have a four volume set now you can buy at a discount because we finally have all the volumes done. And, you <laughs> yeah. know, that sounds so simple to have gotten that product ready. But the, the irony of the last year is that once we finally got volume two and a colorful hardback, well, then we ran out of books of some of oh. the other ones because so many were homeschooling. We yeah. had to yeah. as a man. So I still couldn't offer all four books in a bundle. (laughs) I don't have them. Not on the shelf. So anyway, about a week ago, I just put on the website a four volume set. Uh, 
get it all together. Anyway, but so I'm at a little bit of a lull. I've added women's Bible study to back into my life. And I have a couple other things up my sleeve and um, a podcast. So and then there's probably a major writing project for me down the road. (laughs) But I can't give it away. That's exciting. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Yeah. Leave you hanging. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Um, Okay. So what about today's homeschooling families, whether they, you know, plan to homeschool all along and they've got kids in the middle of it, or they were thrown into it in the last couple of years. um, (laughs) What advice do you have for the current homeschooling families? Mm, I thought about your question and I didn't like my first answer. So I scratched (laughs) it and I've got another one. So the one thing I that came to me was this. It is don't let the good crowd out the best. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is I do feel like today's homeschool family feels more pressure than ever on the academic side of home education, because for one, more people are paying attention. It's an option. So they're looking, they're scrutinizing. And now there is so much available, which is great. There are clubs, sports teams, classes, classical model schools. And I think they're fantastic. But if you consider the history of the homeschool movement, its success was not built on those things because they didn't exist. What was the success of the pioneers built on? Well, it was parents who were in the ordinary trenches. They were focusing heavily on the non-academics because our materials weren't up to par. So it meant things like hey, honey, would you stop poking your sister and (laughs) listen to mommy right now while she's reading, please? And wait, stop. Let's all pick up the living room before daddy walks in. Or would you please say, uh, you know, say please and thank you. So I'm picking at little things, but it it was that we were working on character building. We were working on manners. We were working on respect. We did the best we could with the academics. And thank God those have gotten better and better over the years. But I think that character is what goes, you know, the long haul, because think about it. Some students that we're teaching at home, they're going to excel academically. Some are going to go on and get their college degrees and their masters and their doctorates and others may not. But what will be successful for all of them will be, you know, they land, that they would thrive, that they would, um, you know, just be God honoring and God fearing. So I guess I just want to say, don't let the good crowd out the best. Don't, don't get out of the rat race of traditional education only to get into a rat race in home education. You don't have to. Yeah. That Um, is so good. Real wisely. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And especially again, it's the ordinary little squabbles that you deal with all day long. That's where your victory is. You're working Mm -hmm. through their in their immaturity, you're working yep. through their selfishness, their self-centeredness. You know, mm-hmm. we're all little narcissists trying to get our, yeah. our way out yeah. and they're right. no different. And so you're really leading them to the Lord. So keep focusing on that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as well as the other, like I said, the other is good too. Right. But if the character is there, the academics will come, right? That's the academics true. that every child yep. needs individually, mm-hmm. whatever God has for them, mm-hmm. but without character, you know, would yeah. you rather be this brilliant I don't know, horrible person or. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And character is more and more rare in our world, isn't it? Oh gosh, mm-hmm. it surely is. We know, always good character. Mm-hmm. We yes. talk about <laughs> so many parents that come here to the homeschool loft. I think um, everybody, because of the situation where we're at today, um, 
we have desperate parents who are coming in. And the first thing they want to know is what curriculum should we use? What do we do? How do we do this thing? And we say, stop, we're not even going to talk curriculum. We need to first lay that foundation. What is the environment of the home obedience? Let's work on that for these young moms, right? So many of them aren't even used to living with their children Mm -hmm. oftentimes, right? The family's been separated. And so let's, let's bring it back. Let's curriculum aside. Let's talk about what does the home life look like and how are the, the children grumpies, how we deal yeah. with them? Because sure we're cranky and now we're spending more time than ever together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not just the kids morning crankies. <laughs> Mom's morning <laughs> crankies. True. That is true. <laughs> Any parting thoughts? Let's see. I do have some. I guess I would want to remind your listeners to really appreciate the freedom we have right now, at least in North America, to be teaching our kids at home because the tides could change not to be a fear mongerer, but I study world history. So, you know, I'm not an alarmist, but I'm a realist. And so I guess knowing that this positive tide could change at any given time, I think pour in all that you can now to your Mm -hmm. students. And it may not even be that I see the loss of Liberty in my lifetime, but Who's to say what's down the road for the next generation and the next generation? Maybe that's when the oppression is so steep that they're practically going underground, you know? So I would say, Mm -hmm. think about preparing your children at any given time to stand for the things of the Lord that would include home education. And um, I'll end on this. There really are three levels of preparedness. So there's spiritual preparedness, which comes from knowing God's word, knowing that he has a plan. That's that's certainly Mm -hmm. important. Then physical preparedness is just the practical things that you would do if you're just storing away supplies or food for any emergency or again, um, (laughs) I'm telling you, this last year, we ran out of homeschool supplies <laughs> in the industry because not only <sighs> were we having so many more people purchase, but we have supply chain issues. We yeah. have parking yes. issues. Yes. And we also have a paper shortage. So, you know, in other words, think, you know, think clearly, prepare. And then I guess mental preparedness, one way to be prepared for whatever may come, I think, is to know world history well. (laughs) How other generations have dealt with the highs and lows because, you know, no generation just slides through easily. You know, God Mm. has allowed this fallen world to turn and ache for him. But of course, that last one was just a complete plug for my (laughs) world history. History material. So I had to end on that. But in all seriousness, they can find your listeners can find my materials at the mystery of history.com if they'd like to go a little deeper on them. Yes. And we will have that link at our notes as well. So yeah. we want them to be able to find you for sure. Yes. So. And thank you so much. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. Tina's told me a lot about you and just, I think it's just, I'm like the children. So here's the thing. You go to the homeschool conventions and we all know our kids get the pictures with certain people that they're used to seeing. And sometimes moms are the same. I was looking forward to this just because we've used your history stuff. And I just, uh, we were a history family. My son is history, history, history always oh, has been. And love those little guys. Mm. Oh, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. So, um, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. I appreciate yes. it. Thank you. Thank you ladies for just keep, you know, uh, carrying the baton really to the next generation. Yes. And moms and dads do not doubt for one minute that you are enough for your children. Not only have you been called, but also you've been chosen by God himself for such a time as this. 
You are the perfect model of learning for your children. You always have been, and you always will be. Amen. (laughs) Amen and amen. Amen.